With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope. With your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Hello, hello everybody and thank you for listening to our program. The Pure Hope Show has given you an opportunity to talk to animal channelers and spirit guides. We have given you opportunities to listen to women and men who have had angel experiences and they can talk to angels. We've given you an experience of many people talking about uh, cultures and civilizations that live inside Gaia Mama Earth. Well, we are going to give you an eye-opening spin-around turn with artificial intelligence. Our um, speaker tonight, and who we're going to talk to a little bit about that, certainly is a person who has some information about that. We're going to give you an opportunity to talk to a rocket scientist that's really, really real. And the reason why I wanted to talk to him today about artificial intelligence, because if you feel like your future of AI is rapidly changing landscapes right now, and it is. It's AI, artificial intelligence, is accelerating at such um, what I consider a blazing fast pace that it's really tough to keep up with it, tough to understand what it is, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's evil. So this IA that we're talking about seems to be shaping my future, and I think that all of our futures across the the globe nearly every other day in every industry across our nation and in the world as well. And so it can be and it seems to be a driving force that's emerging in technology through data entry, through robotics, through generating um, art at this time, through writing um, theses for college students, And roughly 44% of the companies in the United States are looking very, very seriously at making major investments in artificial intelligence and integrating it even more into their businesses. And so it seems likely that AI is going to continue to change the world, but how exactly? Is it evil? Is it good? Is it grand? Is it marvelous? And where is it coming from? So hopefully Dave the Mystic, who is on our program tonight, David Barnett, is going to be helping us with this topic. He is an energy medicine practitioner. He is a healer and an intuitive with over 35 years' experience in Colorado. He has multiple uh, technical degrees and is truly, truly a rocket scientist. In the early 1980s, Dave had at some point had a turning point in his life, 
like many of us have, that led him to a passion in discovering and developing his own unique gifts in multiple forms of energy healing. He embarked on a path of training in many, many modalities and developing conceptual understanding of how the different systems work complement each other and also support spirituality. Dave has gifts in healings, reading the Akashic records, uh, energy and entity clearing, changing core beliefs, uh, karma burning, um, discerning your spiritual gifts. Dave continually seeks out new modalities, learns and experiences them from their practitioners and frequently highlights those on his weekly web radio show, which he has and has done for a long time. Dave is a strong believer in health issues, having many potential causes in different energy planes. Dave works with many spiritual guides and communicates with them freely. So Dave the Mystic is on the phone as we are listening to it in this here and now. Hi, Dave. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on again. Well, you know what kind of... um, uh, got me into this a little bit is that you and I were on recently on a program with a young woman from Austin, uh, Texas, and her name is Carrie Hummingbird. And so as she was interviewing me for my program, she um, she had set for her thing. She said, "Wow, I just got done interviewing Dave the Mystic." on artificial intelligence and she says that was truly a ride <laughs> so i told her i said well i know dave i'm going to get him on my program then and start asking him questions so for our listeners first what was that turning point for you in your journey for us to get you to this place where you are at right now well, I, I grew up being open to uh, the idea of psychic phenomena. My mom became an astrologer or started on that path when I was in seventh grade and my parents had divorced. Um, so I experimented with her in junior high and senior high because none of my older brothers uh, would touch it. And uh, then I just kind of let it go a little bit. But at my 10th high school reunion, I ran into an old friend. And uh, after beating around a bush, he finally disclosed that he was able to change electronics strictly through mental power. And we went to his house, and he started giving me demonstrations. He, uh, he walked me up to his electric meter and uh, indicated the wheel on it, and the wheel spins in proportion to uh, how much power you're using at that moment. And he said, do you see the rate of the wheel? And I said, yeah. And he pointed at it and said, now, and it slowed by a third. And then he told me, oh, I did this to my mother's house several months ago, and her bills are still lower. Uh, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, we went inside, and he had a black and white TV on rabbit ears. He put it on a snow channel, no no channel there, no station, and points it to TV and says, now, and he tunes in a channel. Um, huh. we, we ended up, uh, after a couple other demos in the house, we went out to his car, and we sat in his car, and it was idling, a conventional ignition. He had his hands and feet off with all the controls, and he pointed at the engine and said, now, and he could slow the idle down to where the car was stalling, and he, he told me that he could stall other cars in traffic. And then um, the final demo that day is we went downtown to uh, 
the radio station where he worked as a disc jockey is an FM station, high power, 50,000 watts. And we went in the back room where they have all the meters that give the transmitter health. And there's one digital meter there that was reading 99.6. And he said, yeah, 99.6% of the rated power of the station or the transmitter is going out the antenna right now. And it was very stable. It wasn't moving at all. And he said, uh, I can lower it. I can't lower it very much or I'll trip the station off the air. So do you see how it's stable? And I said, yeah, rock solid. And he points at the meter and he goes now and it drops to 99.2. So he just changed four tenths of a percent of 50,000 watts with his mind power alone instantaneously. And over the years, we devised a, a bunch of other tests uh, where he was always able to get an effect. He was able to... Uh, uh, scramble traffic light order on their uh, sequence. He was able to uh, scramble marquee signs on hotels. Um, one time I was in the kitchen and we have a ceiling fan and it's slightly out of balance so it has one of those annoying wobbles. And I told him about it. He said, well, I think I might be able to fix that. And he was in Wichita. I was here in Denver. And uh, he said, tap the phone with the wobble uh, beat so I have an idea of what the beat is. And I did that, and pretty soon the wobble evened out. And, you know, I don't know how he did it, but um, coming back to Denver, I just felt that, okay, he's he's opened me up to the idea that there's a lot of things uh, that my physics and my electrical engineering doesn't explain through conventional means, and uh, I need to go find out what's going on. So I, uh, with, with both feet, jumped into uh, psychic development, uh, different forms of uh, healing training, energy healing, and uh, I even joined a group that was uh, called the Tibetan Foundation, which was channeling Ascended Masters. And um, I really went whole hog and did that on the side for uh, a number of decades. And uh, I had a, a nice opening from 2003 to 2007 between um, regular full-time jobs where I was doing consulting work for the Air Force and um, a voice in my head uh, came or, you know, felt like God was talking to me. He said, uh, you have all the money you need, all the time you need. Go out and learn everything you can about healing. And so I spent that four-year period uh, developing skills in about seven or eight different uh, modalities of healing. Uh, my gifts in past lives came through. I had uh, two years of mentoring uh, from a Denver medium. Uh, just all kinds of things really blossomed and opened up for me. And uh, after that, I got a consulting job uh, with a company in Houston, being their Denver rep uh, for engineering services. And I continued doing uh, the healing work on the side. And um, 2019, I, I left them altogether. It had really fallen off anyway. And uh, I could finally hang out my shingles, you know, that I didn't have anything to fear about people thinking an engineer was on the woo-woo side. So I was <laughs> able to move forward. Hmm. That's so interesting. That is so interesting. Well, I myself, on this topic of artificial intelligence, I really have really no idea. And I know that you get information and you travel into the different parallel universes and the layers mm -hmm. of energy. So what's up with what is happening on our planet at this time with AI going bonkers and a bit, like I said, blazing travels through 
us. What is it good? Is it are there pros and cons? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it a force for good or evil? Like, or is it somewhere in between? So what what do you know what's going on with this? Well, I'll just kind of spew information in a variety of forms that uh, have come to me as I've been thinking about uh, this this interview with you. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind is uh, I think companies have to do it. Uh, probably some of your listeners remember a company used to be around called Kodak. Well, mm-hmm. Kodak did negatives. They did film. They did uh, printing papers for uh, conventional photographic processes. They did not embrace digital cameras early enough, and uh, therefore you don't see Kodak anymore. I mean, they're, they're out there a little bit, but it's it's pretty much nothing. Um, their their X-ray business has all gone electronic, so they have no more X-ray film business. Um, and so I think that's what's confronting a whole lot of companies now is that uh, depending on what their markets are, what their uh, uh, products are, they've got to embrace it uh, one way or another. The question is how much depth and, and what does it buy them and what are some of the cautions. Um, I want to go back in time a little bit to uh, a psychologist named B.F. Skinner who uh, pioneered uh, learning theory, especially through what was called operant conditioning. He had a controversial thought. He said that uh, everything that people decide to do is based on stimulus and response arcs. He made the the uh, proposal that humans do not have free will. And a whole lot of people said, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I decided to pick up a cup of coffee. I pick up the cup of coffee. Well, in um, probably the 70s and 80s, uh, when they started doing testing on the brain and what are called action potentials, uh, things that correlate to when decisions are made, is very interesting because they found that your arm was reaching for the coffee before the cognition part of your brain could rationalize that had that it had decided that it wanted to sip a cup of coffee. Hmm. which is kind of spooky, you know, where you Hmm. say, well, does my body move, and then I rationalize why it's moving this way. Uh, It seems counterintuitive, but, you know, the the measurements seem to indicate that uh, a lot of what you do happens, and then you justify it later if somebody asks you, why did you just do that? And if you think about kids being highly impulsive, uh, it makes even more sense for them. Um, but again, that may just be a factor that the older you get, the more you learn and you have these built-in responses that uh, are just automatic, but you think that they're voluntary. So we, we have that kind of weird perspective on it already on what is intelligence and decision-making, um, that you know, we're, we're not so you know, um, uh, snow white in terms of uh, how we, we do this process ourselves. Uh, we are still learning. I mean, uh, there's wonderful theories that the brain is uh, holographic, that uh, parts of our memory are replicated throughout the brain, and so you can have some brain damage and still have those memories because they're in different parts of the brain. Um, now, the brain is is very special, and uh, the fact that we're self-aware is, is just quite incredible. 
That self-awareness <clears throat> seems to be what is separating us from the machines. Uh, if we go way back uh, to uh, the 70s and the 80s, uh, a language came out called Lisp, and Lisp was one of the first artificial intelligence languages to program in. And the main thing that distinguished Lisp from other languages is uh, traditionally computers are all about ones and zeros. Uh, I don't care what language you're programming in. When you get down to the actual central processing unit, it only deals in ones and zeros. It doesn't know if you started out in COBOL or BASIC or FORTRAN. It doesn't know and it doesn't care. Those are compiled down to machine language so that the machine can use ones and zeros to carry out the process. The uh, programming languages are a tool that humans can use to have uh, ways to better understand how to program a computer, the, the, the computer doesn't care. Well, LISP was a, a variant that came out, and it was quite different in that LISP didn't rely on answers being either a 1 or a 0. There were gray areas on the answer, and it used these gray areas to come up with better ways to do things, such as um, if you're going to have a thermostat, uh, control a room and it's controlled by a computer, uh, you'd rather have a gray area there where the, the heat or the cold didn't just slam on and off. There was some anticipation of uh, how long do we have, how long does it need to be on, you know, things like this that, you know, for humans is, you know, quite easy to adapt to. Oh, well, you know, if I'm going to bed, I turn down the heat before I go to bed. Um, Lisp could handle that much better than traditional programming. Um, LISP ended up migrating to uh, the next level, which was called neural networks. And this was an attempt to replicate neurons in your brain. So uh, you have about 86 billion neurons in your brain, lots of interconnects there, maybe a 1,000 interconnects off of each neuron. And these uh, interconnects, these synapses, get formed and also trimmed uh, with use and feedback and information coming in. And uh, they say, well, that's a good system. That's how a computer could learn. So let's start using neural networks. Um, and that's evolved, but that's still basically what they're doing. And so the, the big thing now is that computers uh, have a way to use feedback to adjust their response. So... Uh, uh, to give you a simple example of feedback, uh, take your toilet tank. So you, you flush your toilet and the water goes down, and then um, the water starts filling the tank, and then the float uh, raises up on top of the water surface and closes the fill valve, and it stops filling so it doesn't overflow. That's negative feedback. So uh, when uh, the water comes up, it, it stops. If it's positive feedback, the higher the water got, the faster the water would rush in. So that's positive feedback. It encourages more of that activity. Negative feedback uh, slows down or stops the activity. So these modern uh, computer programs, uh, they use tons of feedback. And uh, now one way to get it is you can get it from rules from people where they might create great big charts of rules and say, okay, computer, take these in. This is your set of uh, rules or what they call heuristics. Um, 
but it's uh, it's been found to work uh, even more uh, uh, spectacularly when uh, if you're teaching a computer a game, you let the computer play itself. So it, it takes on two different personas and then develops strategies. And a lot of the strategies that have been developed this way have surprised the humans who are experts on those games. Uh, like in the game of Go, it's uh, uh, a game that's more popular in Asia, but a big, ta a big uh, tableau of uh, a grid, and you use white and black stones, and your attempt is to encircle the opponent and then take his stones off the board. Um, they said there's more options of play on Go than there are atoms in the universe. So uh, hmm. that tells you that. So you have to develop a strategy. And uh, the machines learning how to play Go at the expert level just played themselves and played themselves and played themselves and hmm. uh, tried, tried different things without people telling it, well, here, here's the goal, what you ought to do in this situation or that situation. Um, and it's a little bit different than the history of the uh, uh, the computer uh, blue, or deep blue, or whatever, who played chess. Uh, deep blue's uh, strategy was it could just look millions of moves ahead on the outcome and look at the probabilities and pick the most likely one to win. And so it, it wasn't really developing strategies. It was just looking at uh, what's the optimum way to win based on the outcomes. Uh, with Go, you can't do that. There's too many outcomes, so it had to develop strategies. So that was quite different. Um, now, here's one of the issues we have today, though, that uh, you've seen in the past year or two are people complaining that when they apply for a job, uh, they don't get selected, and it's because they've run up against an AI uh, type of device that they feel unfairly uh, kick them out of consideration. And in some cases, they're probably right, uh, because here's what the problem is. Um, so you let the computer use this feedback and learn uh, what makes a, a good candidate, what makes a good employee, what makes this and that. Um, what if they get a correlation to a racial uh, type? The first problem that you have is when you say, OK, computer, I want you to spit out the rules that you're using and the weighting factors. And uh, frequently, the way that these rules are built up, it can't do that in a succinct fashion. And uh, so then it becomes very difficult either way to say that there's a particular characteristic that might be uh, proscribed by law for considering candidates. And um, that's that's one of the, the real scary places that we're getting to is that uh, people will be you know just knocked out of consideration by non-human forces that uh, can't explain their rationale, and, and that is a little bit scary. Um, you know, look, if I'm going to go apply for a job, I, I want to make it through the first gate, and then I want to talk to a human and and uh, show them why I can do that job well and why they should hire me. And uh, if you can't get through that first gate uh, because you've been pre-screened and uh, against criteria that the company can't explain themselves, then something's very scary about that. So now I'll let you talk because I've talked and talked. <laughs> well, no, I find that fascinating because there's no denying that there are lots and lots of benefits to using AI. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, there is, that that's the reason why it is becoming as popular 
as it is and that um, technology in many ways makes our lives more better and easier. Although that there is some ethical problems with what we are facing today, I can remember going into, let's say, a place like Walmart where every line was run by a person. And now when you go into Walmart or many places, now there's only one or two people, live people, who are um, checking you out. And the rest Mm -hmm. of them is just filled with um, checkout. And it's funny because when my son would go to places and he would say, Mom, I never go to those uh, machines because they're checking you out. They are adding up how much you spend on this and that. They know exactly what you want. Plus, they're taking jobs away from the live people, and pretty soon there's not going to be enough jobs for the live people. And he mm-hmm. thought of that way before I thought about that. And I see that more and more and more, even like I went to the grocery store at Aldi's, and there used to be live people there. There's only one live person who's checking uh, out groceries, and the other ones are all machines. So, And, and even like with the art um, that the AI is doing, that it's, it's, it's almost in some ways taking over the world. And so I didn't know, again, you know me, I'm always thinking like, is there something, some group, someone, whether it's on the planet, um, whether it's through the Illuminati or whether it's off of this planet that is trying to take over the world and, and really take our thinking caps off of us and having this happen. So what's your look on that the ethical moral and like is it is it procreated being procreated by a group of people who are trying to take over the world in some ways or off of this world that that it's coming to you know that's the type of question you and i could discuss forever but i thought you would know the answer more than i do well i like muscle testing if i see that if i look at where we are right now is being uh, what percentage is to push off planet, I'll say, uh, 10, 20, 30, 25, 24, 23. I get 23% of uh, the push for this is off planet. If I get asked for what is to push by uh, hidden groups, occult groups, uh, whatever you want to call them, you, you know, the, the money groups, um, uh, 10, 20, 30, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, so 21%. Uh, if I look how much is inadvertently or deliberately being pushed by governments because they see it as a much better way to track people and control things, uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 35, 34, 33%. So um, I heard an interesting thing. It it's kind of falls into the AI a little bit, but I was talking, talking to... Uh, uh, highly educated woman in uh, Brussels, and she feels that uh, apparently there's a, a push or a requirement in uh, Britain now that every newborn baby has a genetic sample taken. And <clears throat> she says she thinks that uh, that lack of respecting human rights is 
what is the major cause of why uh, Britain had to do Brexit to uh, leave the European Union because uh, they wouldn't comply uh, with the European Union's uh, regards to privacy. And uh-huh. uh, uh, that would bother me highly, too, is that uh, suddenly you have a database of every citizen in the country of genetic material. Uh, that, that's just so intrusive, but Britain and Canada and Australia and their legal systems aren't highly oriented towards individual rights, you know, like other countries they had to fight for, like France. And uh, so that falls right into the hands of uh, artificial intelligence, you know, to uh, uh, come up with ways to know who you are. I mean, you know, we're getting so fast on gene sequencing. uh, You know, I don't think we're too far away from uh, cops having a sniffer that if they go to a crime scene, you know, the sniffer picks up and says, well, I got... This DNA, I got that DNA, I got a skin flake here, a drop of blood there, and um, here's the list of people. You know, we aren't too far away from that. And, uh, you know, things like that can also be subject to mistakes and abuse. And um, Yeah, so, I I mean, the good things on AI is, again, it's massively smart. It's going to really play a big role in... uh, reading all the scans you have uh, for potential cancers, whether they're they're PET scans or x-rays, they're already making significant inroads where uh, the machines can do in a matter of minutes what it might take a a doctor an hour and a half or several hours to do. Uh, And their accuracy is uh, at least as good as, in many cases, a doctor or better. Um, Mm -hmm. So things like that... uh, and we, we have that uh, little surgical device, I think they call it the Da Vinci or whatever, that's doing uh, surgery yeah. under remote control, but it's aided, and it allows them to be less invasive and more precise. Uh, uh, one of the surgeries that comes to mind is uh, doing like a uh, prostate removal and, um, you know, how much residual uh, damage they do uh, in the surgery. Uh, apparently, it's less with this device. So... Um, these things are all good. I, I think the, the big thing that hasn't happened yet and is one of the, the existential question marks is what happens when a machine becomes self-aware? And uh, wow. I think what, one of the main things that a machine needs to be self-aware is to have a vision capability that uh, works on identification. And the machines are getting fast enough now, if you look at self-navigating cars, that division recognition stuff, that component seems to be there. So the the science fiction view is when the first machine becomes self-aware, it will immediately propagate its code capability to every machine it can touch to create a whole army of self-aware computers. And, uh, you know, there's no telling what set of ethics it might have because it would clearly have different interests than humans. Um, I mean, the good news is, you know, anything to do with, like, uh, weapons of mass destruction, such as nukes, uh, are isolated from any type of Internet connection. They're, they're all they're, they're physically isolated, so uh, you can't just, you know, drop some code in that's malicious. Uh, but there's plenty of other things that could affect. I mean, uh, well, transportation, you know, it, it, your imagination can run wild what, what it could do. Um, would it see that there's a symbiotic uh, relationship with humans that, um, you know, 
robots and computers aren't necessarily at a point yet where they could take over replicating themselves from uh, raw materials all the way through finished product. Uh, you know, if you take humans out of that, then, you know, integrated circuit chip production goes away. Now, down the road, will that become automated with uh, AI? Um, yeah, probably much better than it is now. Um, and uh, more fully, but right now it requires people who watch uh, the uh, the wafers coming off a line and they adjust the knobs on gases and uh, keep an eye on it 24 hours a day. They can't just turn it on and let it run. So uh, there, there's complicated factors like that. And But when you get into, well, I'll say, more of the mon mundane jobs and how they're, they're thinking, then... Uh, yeah, that, that becomes uh, much scary for the average Joe on the street. You know, will I have a job next year? Um, and even going on up into the professions, like you're mentioning art, uh, people write copy for ads. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see uh, you, you buying a package that's uh, ministerial sermon generation, and uh, oh, yeah. you give it to you give it to verses in the Bible that you want to talk to, and it scours the databases and and writes a, a very credible, you know, you just, well, how many, how many minutes do you want it to last? Oh, I want 15 minutes of material. Okay, and you got it, and boom, there it is, you know. Do you see any tweaks you'd like, you know, to put in your own stories? Okay, uh, boom, you're ready to go, and uh, we can't be very far away from that. Well, I think we have that because, you know, our family has – you know, Sunday fun day, and I forgot what the program or the app was, but they're talking about these apps that have been writing theses for people who were graduating with their um, professorship or their doctorate. Uh -huh. And um, even uh, Melissa, my sweet Melissa, who works here at the Hope Interface Center, she had said that she is a professor at, uh, knows someone who is a professor at a college that says, I am fully aware that there is a student that might be using AI to develop all of his uh, reports. I have no way to prove it, prove it, but I believe that, you know, he's mm -hmm. doing that. And, you know, how do you grade something like that versus a person who's not doing that? It just yeah. seems like yeah. there's something happening that is we need to be a little bit more weary uh, uh, of it or aware of it. Um, mm -hmm. So when you said we're in trouble when, maybe that's not exactly how you put it, but if yeah. one of these robots became self-aware, is that yes. even possible? Um, based on where we are right now, uh, even with the level of power of our processors, it doesn't seem to be. But you just never know, you know. And uh, they have that thing called the Turing test where Arthur Turing created it and uh, – they're still looking toward the grand prize, but uh, the idea that you can talk over uh, a monitor and a keyboard to um, something in the other room, and can it convince you that it's not uh, a computer, or can you not tell the difference? You, you can't decide whether it's human or computer. And 
they've already awarded the second place. They, they've passed that level. The, they're, they're just looking for the first place. But um, so it, it's it's not quite there yet uh, in uh, with a skilled interrogator, but it's getting closer and closer. Now, uh, again, you, you look at what does it take to make a human consciousness and um, we need to have, uh, you know, some type of, you know, visual field that gives us information. We need to have uh, extensive memory. We need to have extensive uh, processing capability um, and uh, maybe socialization. But I don't know, you know, if, if you can get something where you say it is now self-aware, uh, versus just mimicking it because it has rules inside that says things like we would expect to say out of our ego that we, we have a sense of uh, the need for self-protection. Um, and now you're getting down to the, down to the road where uh, Isaac Asimov was writing science fiction, and I think he had like the three classic rules of robotics. One is, you know, you shall not hurt humans, uh, you know, uh, those types of things that had to be hardwired into all the machines. Um <laughs> But the scary part for me is uh, with autonomous drones that can be programmed to seek out through facial recognition specific targets for assassination, um, then that really gets scary to me that you know, people would develop weapons like that and that that would be allowed. But that's, uh, that's certainly in the realm of possibility, and uh, we do have autonomous drones that do things that we probably don't hear about, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. wars of war zones um, you know it's it's very easy to make a simplified drone that you just create a no man's land it, it just patrols and if it sees anybody moving boom they're dead and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. end of story no no discrimination doesn't matter whether it's a child or a, a woman trying to you know get groceries uh, doesn't matter and uh, so to me that that's pretty immoral but uh, that's certainly, you know, easily possible now. Uh, what's harder is the discrimination, but even with that, uh, you know, it, it just uh, it just continues to build up. But are they self-aware? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, can they get there? I'm not sure. Here's the next tier of uh, what's uh, what's happening. Uh, they have these computers that are super cooled, and they're called quantum unit or qubits. And uh, now, you know, I talked about how you know, traditionally computers work with a one and a zero. Well, a qubit works with the quantum states of an atom. And so those quantum states may have many, uh, many possible different states all at the same time. And then <clears throat> you can use that capability to say, rather than just having a, a one or a zero, Maybe I have a a digit that represents 15 different states or something. And uh, these qubits are so powerful that um, they're going to enable the, the users of those who put a number of these units together to uh, just about crack any encryption system we have. Uh, I don't care if you have a 56-bit system or a 124-bit system or, <coughs> pardon me, whatever. Um, they'll just crank right through it, whereas it's computationally impossible for our traditional computers now. But these qubits can do it, and 
there's some people who are afraid that when you tie qubits to something like uh, CERN with their uh, accelerators, uh, that we might be opening up portals into other worlds, other universes, and they, they kind of paint a doomsday scenario. So, so if you're really into big, scary things, that's another one to worry about. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Because even when you say you have a strong, you're a strong believer in health issues, having many potential causes in different energy mm-hmm. planes. So yes. let's talk, and I think that, I don't know if that connects with AI at all or transference, but what, when I read that, what does that mean when our audience is listening to, to that? What does that mean? Well, I, uh, I see us as we walk through life in our human bodies as being actually spread out informationally to many other places, uh, particularly with our other lives. And so I see us as having a lot of connections to our past lives. In, in my view of the world, our past lives are still ongoing. They're just on different timelines. And in some cases, uh, what happens to them in terms of injuries or illness may be passed on to us in an attempt for them to get help from us to uh, take care of those issues. Um, I also see that we have uh, parallel lives around us that are created. Uh, When you make a significant decision in your life, you may spin off another copy. uh, So, you know, when, when you, Hope, decided to do A, and then uh, you spun off uh, hopes in other universes doing B and C, and that way your higher self can get the experience of all all the possibilities, all the options. And uh, sometimes those uh, other options that you didn't pick may lead to uh, uh, doom and despair and uh, hardship that, again, may come back and affect us. we have future lives that already exist, and in some cases they may reach back and try to gently uh, urge us not to do something uh, incredibly stupid like, you know, please don't use meth. You know, meth is bad stuff. Uh, that has long-term energy effects on all of us, so, so please don't do that. that that's, uh, that's a crazy idea. Um, so, you know, this can come from many, uh, many different directions. So that's, that's sort of what I'm talking about on that. Hmm. Um, there are also people who talk about uh, uh, time loops, uh, time bending, uh, different things with time where um, sometimes uh, I feel that it's possible to get healing by moving you to an adjacent timeline where you don't have the illness, and yet the reality seems like uh, it's not like you're abandoning this one and moving to a different one. It's just that something has shifted. So you're you're in a reality that doesn't require you to have that illness, and uh, so I, I know some healers who specialize in that. Uh, Shirley, Shirley was one of those when she was with us. Um, yeah. So so there there are uh, a lot of different things I think that can uh, affect you from different energy planes, different um, different forms of existence that that can still have an impact on us here. So how do you, so when you read a person, if she Mm -hmm. or he has an illness, 
let's just say cancer, if if someone comes to you and says, mm-hmm. can you help help with this healing, even if it's coming from another lifetime, or how do you zoom mm-hmm. in to check that out in a person? Well, I I kept running into this where uh, I would get clients, and I kind of joke about what the implication is where it, uh, they show up and they say, well, I've tried everything else. You know, is the unsaid word there or words, uh, I have nothing to lose by coming to you then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. I can you see know, why people would say uh, that. And I, yeah. I, I, take it in, I, I take it in stride. Uh, it's like right. a statement. <laughs> well, if you if you lost something, you'll find it in the last place you look. Well, well, of course, you aren't going to look any further. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind of logically obvious. Mm-hmm. But uh, based on the idea that I do end up with clients who've uh, who've got something going on health-wise, and uh, they've tried other approaches, including Western medicine and alternatives, um, I, I finally created a worksheet that has uh, about 15 different categories on it of things that I muscle test on their behalf, and in terms of what issues they might have, um, um, let me pull up my worksheet real quick, and I'll, I'll read some of them to you. Uh, they're they're kind of uh, interesting. A couple of them are kind of humorous, almost. Um, so, uh, one that I, I run into occasionally with people is, and uh, Edgar Casey warned against this, and that's raising your vibrations faster than the body can assimilate or tolerate. Uh, Edgar Casey felt that a number of people, their vibrations had gone up so fast that it essentially uh, blew fuses in their uh, nervous system. And so he, he was cautionary about how fast people do their spiritual progress uh, without some uh, protections or some oversight. Um, another one I have is oaths in previous lifetimes. Uh, you know, I found people who... Uh, in a previous lifetime, maybe they worked for the king, and the king ordered them to do something very immoral. And uh, they said, you know, I'd rather have my leg cut off than uh, go out and do that. You know, I, I just, uh, and then I couldn't walk out there and do it. And the king says, okay, let it be. And they get their leg cut off. And uh, I end up with somebody who has uh, leg issues, and I, I find out that they have one of these things going on. Um Oh, uh, things to do with your life chart, uh, sort of the blueprint or the flow chart that defines how your life is going to lay out, where you're going to have challenges and opportunities. Um, sometimes with people, it's indicated that I should go talk to the Council of Elders about uh, possibly updating the chart because there are issues on there that uh, are much more severe now to the person's enjoyment of their life or having this be a useful life that weren't anticipated when it was first laid out before they were incarnated. Um, another one is, uh, I run into this a lot with uh, healers, especially new healers, taking on someone else's illness to help them. Um, a lot of healers get into this for the, the best reasons, um, but they become uh, uh, energetically involved with the client, and they may... Uh, Say I, you know, basically I would do anything for this person to heal, and the universe says anything. You really mean it, and uh, 
suddenly we see the condition of the client showing up in the healer. And uh, so sometimes that happens. Um, uh, another one I get, sometimes pe people have a, a life chart that uh, they're going to help others uh, in their experience by seeing them with illness. Uh, you see this a lot in, in children where they come up with these horrific uh, brain cancers. And uh, the purpose of that brain cancer is not for that child to be healed. Uh, the purpose of that brain cancer uh, where that child may uh, pass at 10 or 11 is to provide lessons for the healers around them and for their family on uh, watching them in their example and appreciating the, the value of their life and what they're doing with their life. And, uh, I mean, some of these little girls have uh, started charities to raise money for cancer research that, you know, have ended up producing millions of dollars. Uh, that never would have happened if they hadn't had the cancer. So... Um, there, there's other things going on. So um, not all illnesses are meant to be healed, uh, or I would say that healing comes in many different forms, and that may even include uh, somebody passing away. Uh, another one I have is sometimes people have things, I call it the spiritual kick in the rear, uh, to get moving and grow. Uh, they've become complacent. They've, uh, uh, they've really settled back in their life. Uh, They've avoided challenges. Uh, they've avoided uh, doing new things. Uh, they're just kind of marking time. And sometimes the universe says, uh, enough of that nonsense. You know, get off your butt and get moving. And uh, how do you do that? Well, sometimes you make them, uh, you give them a, a severe health challenge, and then they start to appreciate life a lot more after they come through it. Uh, hmm. Another one... Uh, well, sometimes I just check because I do a lot of uh, clearing work. Sometimes people have an earthbound spirit in them where they're starting to pick up the symptoms of what the uh, the person who died had going on in their life. And uh, the earthbound spirit doesn't know that this energy is transferring to them, uh, but sometimes it does, and it uh, becomes problematic. You know, if, if uh, somebody died of uh, emphysema, and then they uh, get around somebody else and really get involved in their energy field, and that person might start having uh, difficulty breathing, choking, things like that. And it's really not due to organic illness in them. It's just showing up because they have this earthbound around them. And uh, there, there's several others, but that's uh, where I go you know, on these uh, multidimensional things to uh, look where else this is coming from. So, why do you think they call artificial and they why they call it artificial intelligence? What's the difference between the artificial intelligence, which is highly intelligence, and even the information or the guidance that you're able to get? What what is the difference between artificial intelligence and what you've just explained to us? of how you can tap into these different planes. I would say that artificial intelligence at this point, as far as we know, uh, does not have a mechanism where spiritual plane information guides others uh, can inspire thoughts or thinking or impressions, uh, whereas in humans it can. Uh, I download a lot of information when I'm working with clients, uh, when I'm uh, looking at somebody else and I'll get a hit on uh, 
where in their body something is going on. Um, I, I just don't see that pathway happening for machine intelligence for a long time. Uh, I don't see them. I don't see the machines as getting uh, induced information like that. Okay. So really, the bottom line is that we don't have anything to fear but fear itself. Maybe um, that line. Um, with the artificial well, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. I, I think with the, the worst-case scenario, the machine's becoming self-aware. Uh, I think that's the, the risk that uh, Elon Musk and the others uh, have as their, their secondary fear. Uh, their primary fear is um, with uh, artificial intelligence becoming so prevalent in decision-making in uh, business and everywhere else that... Uh, I think you you do run a risk that the population might rise up and and reject it, and um, because they they would just say uh, we're we're not willing to live with this technology. It's got to be limited. It's got to be contained. Uh, it, it is ruining lives, and uh, I don't care what the the profit incentive is. You know, it, it would be very separating in our society in terms of the haves and the have-nots it would really raise the bar on how many people become have-nots uh, if it really uh, becomes pervasive in our workplace uh, for anything other than uh, what you would say are, are strictly labor jobs. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I know that currently Google, Apple, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, the people who are in that higher echelon and make that gap between the rich and the poor that they are highly investigating and investing in bringing AI into their corporations and so um, mm -hmm. so that's where well, I you, see the problem you, you, you buy house homeowner insurance and you buy car insurance correct mm-hmm okay it's not too far down the road that you don't need to have a live agent. You don't need to have an administrator in that office to talk to. Uh, you can be interviewed by AI, and it will draft several policy options for you that it thinks, based on your, your risk, are appropriate. And if you get into a wreck, um, there might be a human initially to take notes on their clipboard about where the damaged items are, but eventually AI cameras may get in there and uh, be able to compare your car to a new model of the car, see where the damage is, and do the estimates. And, you know, bing, bang, bong, you know, pretty soon, we don't have an insurance industry except for, you know, board of directors and a couple executives in a main office, and everything else is done by AI. Don't, don't need mm -hmm. a brick and mortar. Don't need humans. Uh, they're redundant. And, you know, insurance people typically, when they've been in the business for a while, they're highly paid. Uh, realtors are, could be the next one to, to topple in that. You know, you, you have AI evaluate uh, all the statistics on the house, all the, the videos and everything, and if it gets smart enough, it'll be able to tell you what it's worth. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, do you still need that human touch for somebody to show people around? Yeah, but that could become just a contractor, not really a realtor. You know, it, you just sort of see the worst-case scenario for a whole lot of what you think are either trained or skilled professions uh, 
just uh, evaporating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yep, that's what I say, that's what I say. So what is your genuine, authentic outlook for where the world is and where our sweet world is going to? I know you're pretty optimistic always, but I think that lots of people who listen to our program, when it comes to angels or talking to animals or saving Gaia Mother Earth or climate change, AI or whatever it is, I think that most people are at this time uh, concerned of where our world is going right now. So what's your outlook and what are you receiving as we move forward in this time of great change? Uh, it all keeps coming back to me that we're we're in a time of great change because we're looking at a major rise in vibration. And uh, I think all of these uh, factors are there to shake people out of their complacency and uh, get them involved and get them onto a path of getting a moral stance. I I think the, the world is not served by all these people wandering around saying, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, throw money at me and make me feel good, call me the right name, all this. Uh, you know, there, there's so many people who are, are playing blame games and victim games rather than taking a moral stance. I, I think we're being pushed like this severely, whether it's AI, whether it's uh, genetic manipulation of uh, viruses, things like that that put us at risk, uh, whether it's warfare, uh, whether it's pollution, all these things. I think they're there spiritually to uh, force people to, to come out and get involved and to uh, decide as a group that we want a path forward that uh, gets results and leads to a better world. And uh, I think that that, uh, that movement where we try to get consensus rather than everybody saying, well, what, are, what about me? You know, it's like, well, hang up on that. You know, let, let's look at what's better for everybody and uh, quit playing, you know, what's, what's best for me, uh, whether it's politicians, whether it's people on the street, uh, who cares? And uh, so I, I see all this as being sort of a, spiritual pressure to for people to uh, grow up, mature, develop uh, a strong moral sense, and, and get back on track as we're, we're moving into uh, the age of Aquarius. So, um, yeah, I, it, it seems painful, but, you know, a baby being born is painful, but it, it sure is happy to pop out and be in the light, you know? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right. So uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're 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 just coming down the chute right now, and it doesn't feel very good. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I see it as as uh, getting past some hurdles here, and where where people have to uh, have to buy into uh, moving forward as a as a species. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I do too. I, I do too. It's certainly ramping up in all areas right now to make us make a decision about how we want to show up and what's the best version of your best self even look like. And I think even the holies of holies, you know, that um, the gurus of the world who say, I'm a guru, I'm a guru, I'm a guru, I think that they're even being pushed down the 
and saying, am I still yet the best version of my best self showing up all the time? Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I think. I'm being pushed down that chute of just asking, is this my best version of my best self showing up mm-hmm. to my neighbors and my family and my grandchildren and my clients in the world at this time? So, mm-hmm. um and I find that good. I find that good. So rebirth. This is the time of spring, so it is about rebirthing, that's for sure. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when our listeners, um, if they're interested in getting connected to you for a healing or um, an exorcism or all the different things, I know that you do house clearings and build business clearings and things like that, and so much more. How can our listeners get a hold of you, Dave, if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, uh, yeah, the best way is to jump on my website, uh, DaveTheMystic.com, and there's a little box there where they can send me an email that says that they're interested, and it just provides some uh, details for contact purposes, and then uh, I'm happy to connect with them. Okay, and and how about your radio show, your blog talk show? How can they, um, I was just listening to someone the other day and said, well, I would like to follow you, but I don't know how to do that. So um, how can they get on your radio uh, show? Yeah, blogtalkradio.com slash Dave the Mystic. So very easy, and Monday nights at 8 p.m., although I confess that uh, uh, due to an illness over the weekend, I didn't do one... uh, uh, last night and uh, next Monday I'm going to be on travel, so I'm not doing one then. But the, on the 24th I'm resuming, so it'll be there. And how long have you been doing your shows, did you say? Since about 2010. 2010, wow. Yep. Yeah, yep, so there's, when I there's over, to 600, your... over 600 shows to listen to. <laughs> wow. Are they all arch- archived then? Yep, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a special yeah. deal through Blog Talk because supposedly on my uh, my plan, uh, but I, I think I've been uh, grandfathered in. But my plan is only supposed to allow you to uh, archive like 100 or 150 shows, but um, they haven't squawked on mine, so all mine are still there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, Dave, thank you for being on the program. I know that um, you have a tight schedule, and you and your beautiful bride are going on a cruise. So I wish you well, and I thank you for getting um, me in there and being on the Pure Hope Show to kind of discuss this issue on AI. And and for our listeners to be able to talk to and listen to a real live rocket scientist. So I love that about you. I love that about oh, you. So you thank so you. Have a, You're a dear one. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have fun, and I thank all of our listeners who are listening today. Just as Dave said at the Pure Hope Show, we also have our programs archived. I don't think we have as many programs, but all of our <laughs> programs are archived, waiting for all of you precious listeners to tune in to various, various uh, wonderful speakers and um, interviews that we've had on this program. So I thank you for being on the air with me. Until we meet again, namaste, 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 everyone. Good night. Goodbye. Bye, Dave. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. 
Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.